Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. everybody that's here. Uh, come on, there's no sense acting like a stranger. More than anything, we know that God's not a stranger tonight. How many, how many come to receive the word of the Lord today? Amen. Praise God. God is so good. And he's mighty. The son, very right, the king is coming. Amen. We need to wake up and realize that the King is coming. We need to do everything we can to prepare everybody around us and let them know that the King is coming. Hallelujah. That's more than knocking on the door. That's loving them. That's inviting them to the house of God. Sometimes it means raking the leaves in their yard. We love God tonight with everything we can. Hallelujah. we got to realize that Jesus... He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. And we've got to be ready. Hey, man, we've got to be ready. I'm so glad that you're in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for coming and helping us celebrate 16 years of apostolic church. Praise the Lord. In Marion, Kentucky, we're thankful for it. Hey, Amen. And we're thankful that you came to be in church with us tonight. Hey, Amen. I four churches. Actually, I think it's five churches represented here tonight. We're very thankful for all of them. Good to have my brother in his church here tonight. Got Brother Griffin and son from his church. Good to have Brother Dustin cancel their service to come be with us tonight. We ought to give them a good hand. Thank you. Amen. Good to have some from the Sturgis Church here tonight. Praise God. Thank the Lord for that. Baptized one day on Sunday. Excited about what God did. Good to have Sister Jamie here representing uh, Princeton. Praise God. I'm glad she's here. But I'm glad to have Harvest House here today. Amen. God is good. And he's great. Amen. Brother Neal is going to come. He's going to minister the word. What I want us to do. I want to talk to our Harvest House young people here today. We got several young people on the bus. Hey guys, back on the back row, look at me. Hey, you're not looking at me. I got Sister Shirley. Look at me. Thank you. Y'all been in the bathroom enough? Don't go no more. Stay up here to get some preaching. Uh, we got the commodes fixed. They're, they're fresh and right. Thank God for that. Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> Thank the Lord for that. Be engaged with what the man of God's going to say tonight. You never know when you, you're going to receive something from God that's going to change your life. Just like what he was talking about last night. He went to service 17 years old and God changed his life, his world. I'm glad God changed his life because this man's ministry has changed mine. And I'm thankful for my good friend. He's younger than me, but I sure look up to him. I'm thankful. And it's good to have Pastor Ryan Neer here with us from Colorado. We'll give him a good hand to come minister the word of the Lord to us. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Well, why don't we clap for Jesus? Because he's the reason why we're here. Lord, we love you. Worship. Hallelujah. 
be down. No man left behind. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord uh, tonight. Exciting times. Look around. It's full. It's, it's always nice to see your church. The pews are full. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited because I found something out last night that there are actually people in Marion. I've never actually been in the city, the metropolitan area of Marion, but it is real. It does exist. I know the Bible says you got to preach the gospel to every living creature. So I thought we were here for the cows. I didn't know. The deer. But there are people and I, I, I really, I never realized that there was an actual town. I just thought this was it. And that takes a lot of faith, Pastor Horton. But there are people here and I just, I mean, we're having church in the field. I just think after 2020 shut down some of them churches, maybe we can go in town and take one of those churches. Maybe there's a church there. I mean, no, no, I mean a building. Because there's already a church. Amen. Amen. I don't know who this is, but I'm going to wipe my snot with it. I don't know. Sorry, Bishop. <laughs> Never mind. i got a handkerchief somewhere. We're going to have fun tonight. Amen. There's nothing more fun than serving God. If drinking, party, dropping acid, doing ecstasy, if all that was better, I'd still be doing it. But we're here. Amen. God has been so good to me. I don't know. Okay. But it's so good to see all the ministry that's here. Um, godly leadership is a blessing. So I'm glad that all of our pastors and ministry is here. I don't want to name everybody because pastor already did that. Um, but I do feel like I have a word. Um, so I'm going to get into it. Isaiah. The book of Isaiah chapter 54. While you're turning there, I'll say this. Like I said last night, if you're here, no matter where you come from, give God a chance. Just give God a chance to speak to you. And if you give God a chance, whatever room you give Him to work, that's, that's exactly what He'll do. Okay? Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2. You got it? Everybody looking at the screen? Open your Bibles, turn your Bibles on, all that. Enlarge the place of thy tent. And let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. Now don't wait for me to preach and miss the word. 
said, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Lengthen the cord without sparing. Then shall you break forth. And you will make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Tonight I just want to preach simply about creating capacity. Making room. Like Jacob already said. For the king that's coming. So would you do me a favor? Would you would you pray? Not just, just a pretty prayer so you can sit down. But would you genuine, genuinely just plug in right now. And help me pray. Because I believe something is turning after 16 years. I believe something is turning on. Something is turning around. Father, we come right now in the authority of your name and the authority of your word. And I pray, oh God, that you would loose my tongue to speak as an oracle like Isaiah of old. And I pray, oh God, binding every hindering spirit, whether human or demonic, I bind the prince of this area. Oh God, that you might let the prophetic word go forth and let there be a demonstration of that word in this house. And we loose ministering angels right now, warring angels and the hosts thereof. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. You believe that? Clap your hands to the Lord. And you may be seated. Leave me astounded. Did you sing that tonight? Leave me. Oh, you did? Okay, good. I knew I heard that from somewhere. I knew I wouldn't listen to it in Target. That was for sure. You all know Target? Do you have Target somewhere? Evansville. Ah, Evansville. No, I'm just kidding. So good to have Sturgis crew here. I'm glad you're here. Goodness. Isaiah. I hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah seen the Lord. He knew that he was coming. This same prophet that said, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. He was saying to the people of Israel, 
He was seeing in an open window of prophecy, in that open window into the Spirit. He was seeing a king that was coming. And he was saying to the people, you've got to enlarge the place of your tent. You've got to stretch forth your curtains of thy habitation. Don't spare because he's coming. You've got to lengthen thy cords. The tent of meeting must be enlarged because it was that same prophet that was telling them to stretch their curtains. Was the same prophet that said in 7 and 14 of Isaiah, he's the same prophet looking through that open window of prophecy. He said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He said, Get ready. He said, Make the tent accommodating for a virgin birth and a father coming in flesh and we're going to call him Emmanuel. It's that same prophet looking through that open window into the Spirit that he saw Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's what Isaiah saw. He saw a child that was coming. He saw a son that would be given. He saw a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and a prince of peace. But obviously there was a concern that they weren't ready for the son that was going to be given and the child that was going to be born. So he said to them, enlarge the place of thy tent. You have to create capacity for what you are believing for before it gets here. Because we know that when that child came and that son was given, there was no room for him. Even though they had heard the same prophecies as everybody else. Even though their prophets preached it. And they told about it. They talked about it. They believed for it. But even when they got he got here. We're full. And thus, Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. Because Jerusalem was full. All the houses in Bethlehem, so little outside of Bethlehem, he was born. But Isaiah tried to warn. He said, you're going to have to stretch your curtains. You're going to have to create capacity. He said, don't spare, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand, and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. If you read that in the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says, enlarge your house, build an addition, 
Spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. And I just feel the prophetic right now that Harvest House, yes, you've left an imprint on Marion, but God has other cities for you to settle. He has other places for you to make ready. It's not just one and done, but you better get ready to enlarge the house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense but what stuck out to me was to stretch he said stretch that was the word that the Lord had spoke to me at the beginning of this year at the end of last year into the beginning of this year he began to tell us in Colorado Springs to make ready to prepare because many people like I said to pastor today many times like Ezekiel the prophet God brought him to a valley of dry bones and said, can these bones live? And he said, Lord, thou knowest. And God said to Ezekiel, he said, he said, prophesy to the bones. And he began to prophesy to the bones. And the bones came together. And the sinew came together on the bones. And the connections were made. And they stood on their feet as a great army. And then God said, prophesy to the wind. Many times as Pentecostals, we are so accustomed to Acts 2 and we want the wind to blow, we go into cities and we begin by prophesying to the wind. But the Lord spoke to me when I started pastoring. It felt like I took the, a back seat in the spirit. I kind of just stepped back a little bit and I wasn't as spiritual as I like to be because the Lord said, Ryan, I brought you here first to prophesy to the bones because what you need is structure that is in place that can accommodate the wind when it begins to blow. Most people aren't really ready for revival. They don't have the structure in place. They don't have the leadership gift in place but God said to him prophesy to the bones but many times we try to prophesy to the winds before we prophesy to the bones because think about when God created Adam God created Adam with all the systems in the human body and then he breathed the breath of life correct God didn't breathe the breath of life and then hurry up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, God's a good steward. Yeah. So he's not going to waste the wind on a people that are not, are not prepared. Wow. Right? Now, just ahead. Uh, oh, now we got the head in place. But we need the body. Right? Now do you know what the Bible says? When, when there's sick of the palsy and there's paralysis in the body in the New Testament, there was a sickness, sick of the palsy. Literally paralyzed people walking around because what was in the head wasn't getting to the body. There was a disconnect. Right? So what we needed... Oh. God. Because here's the thing. We need to have structure in place. Apostolic structure. Because here's the thing. We are Pentecostals. We love Acts chapter 2. But did you ever wonder why Acts chapter 2 was Acts chapter 2 and not Acts chapter 1? 
Because we put an emphasis on the wind when it began to blow in the upper room. We put an emphasis on Acts chapter 2 and that wind blowing and hearts being convicted and that old message that we love so dear. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this promise is unto you and unto your children, all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord. We love. Acts chapter 2 but there's a reason why it's chapter 2 and not chapter 1 because chapter 1 they were reestablishing the structure because Judas was no longer there he hung himself and the, the, the structure for apostolic leadership was not in place so they had to reestablish structure so that they could accommodate the wind when it came. So many times we get frustrated waiting on the wind. And we're sitting there prophesying to the wind. Lord, give us a book of Acts revival. There's a lot more in the book of Acts than Acts chapter 2. And if you want an Acts chapter 2, you're going to have an Acts chapter 1 and see, okay, what do we need? What do we need before we move forward? What do we need? What did God say? And what do we need to do? And when you obey God and you allow God to establish the structure, you allow God, not there just to be apostolic headship and authority, but the whole body needs to understand in their place. Uh, now listen, I, this is this gets me mad because I went. Oh, I, I'm, oh God, man, this is nowhere near where I thought I was going to be, Pastor. Okay, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's a concept called I don't know if I've talked about it before. I have with Pastor, um, but there's a concept amongst uh, uh, in the world. And it's crept into some of our churches. It, it's, it's the concept of laity or lay ministry. Or layman. Not lay ministry. Layman, right? And it, and it puts this gap between the pulpit and the pew. And it's laity. But that comes from the Latin, which means lame. So the gap between the pulpit and the pew is laity. If you're not a preacher behind the pulpit, then you are a lay person. And that literally is trying to make a, a delineation between the, pat, the pulpit and the pew. And they called it laity. And it literally means in the Latin, the lame part of the body. Yeah. Come on. But I'm telling you, in Christianity, in apostolic book of Acts revival, there is no laity. Amen. Oh, you said you want to be apostolic. Here's, here, here, here. Because here's the thing. That's Catholicism. That's where that came from. Was from Catholicism. They wanted to make a separation between the pulpit and the pew. And only the preachers could understand the word of God. Therefore, uh, it gave control to... Uh, because it was born out of fear. Right? But here's the thing. Oh, God, I didn't want to do all this. Is this okay? Because there's such a thing as the priesthood of the believers where he said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They'll do all this stuff. 
But here's the thing. There is no lame part of the body of Christ. Now, I understand that there is apostolic leadership covering and there is the fivefold. I understand that and I believe that 100%. But we don't have to lessen the body to bring honor to the ministry. We want to be an apostolic church, but we've got to understand that we've got to start prophesying to the bones. And we start prophesying to the bones, then there will be a body. But when there is a body, then there will be an army. Then there will be a context for God to do what He said that He would. We need all hands on deck. We need every saint of God teaching Bible studies. We need every saint of God testifying and being a witness. We need every saint of God to be able to do what God is calling them to do. Now, listen. Listen. I hope I didn't mess things up too bad. Ah, but to stretch is literally this. To be stretched is to be brought to the extent of your comfort and then go beyond it. He said you've got to stretch to create to create capacity. Capacity is literally the maximum amount that something can contain. It's fully occupying the available area and space. It's the amount that something can produce. It's the ability or power to do or experience or even understand something. If you are going to have capacity, he said, you've got to stretch. And that was the word that God gave me. He said, yes, you've got to prophesy to the bones and then you've got to prophesy to the wind. But he said, what I want to do is going to be a stretch and he said stretching is going to the extent of what you are comfortable with and then go beyond it to cross that line of comfort see when you are stretched you are creating capacity for the supernatural just beyond listen just beyond your comfort is literally moving into miracle territory See, we want apostolic miracles. We just don't want to move into apostolic territory. See, the first time that the word apostolic or the Greek word that we translate into apostolic is apostolos, which is um, the, the, from the, the scripture where Jesus said he sent them forth as sheep among wolves. Right? That was the, the original context for the word that we define as apostolic. He said he sent them forth, sheep among wolves. That's apostolic context. But we want apostolic power outside of apostolic context. Because the power of God manifests sheep among wolves, not sheep among sheep. We want, we want apostolic ministry. We want apostolic... Oh. 
I'll bump up against it. I ain't scared. <laughs> we want apostolic ministry, apostolic demonstration, apostolic power. We want it sheep among sheep. We want to pray for each other. We want to practice on one another. But I'm telling you, if you're going to be really apostolic and have a move, it's going to be sheep among wolves. It's going to be in your school. It's going to be on your job. It's going to be at Adam's breezy place. I'm here to tell you we want real apostolic ministry, but we want it outside of its context. Yeah, that's good. Right? Yeah. Oh God. Man, why do I always gotta be that guy? I wanna preach a nice message. I wanna pre I wanna preach it in such a way where I could just, you know, you're doing good, keep going. No, no, I'm saying to you, yeah, you're doing good, keep going. But watch this. I found a companion verse for Isaiah 54 where he's telling them, prepare, make room, get ready. You've got to stretch. You've got to go beyond your comfort. You've got to go beyond what you're familiar with. If you're going to see what you have never saw before, it is Jeremiah 10 and 19. Jeremiah is down the lineage, or not the lineage, but he's down the line from the prophet Isaiah. In Jeremiah 10 and 19, he says this, Woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous. But I said, truly this is a grief, and I must bear it. Verse 20, he says, my tabernacle is spoiled. All my cords are broken. My children are gone forth of me, and they are not. And there is none to stretch. Forth my tent anymore and to set up my curtains. See, it is the children of Israel that they had been through much grieving. They had been wounded and they had gone through so much. But the children of Israel were now using their hurts and their wounds and even their grief as an excuse not to grow. See, when you've been hurt, when you've gone through a lot, you've suffered lost and you've buried loved ones, when you've gone through all of this, it is a temptation to use it to, as an excuse not to grow. Because then, when you've gone through so much, you will tend to put a higher premium on comfort rather than capacity. Haven't we been through enough? He said, I, woe is my hurt. My wound is grievous. Truly this is grief. And I've got to bear it. He said, isn't I? Haven't I already gone through enough? But they started putting a premium on comfort rather than capacity. But he said, you've got to stretch if you're going to be ready. And you've got to reach beyond your... I'm telling you, yes, Harvest House, you've been through a lot. And I understand. I may be skating on thin ice. But hear me. Don't you dare use your last year as an excuse just to toast this year. Because this might be the year where he comes. This might be the year when the wind 
Because that's what we do as people. We put premium on comfort. We put a premium on comfort because we've already given. We've already sacrificed. We've already prayed. We've already fasted. We've already wept. But he's saying stretch because stretch is not just coming to the edge of your comfort and then going beyond it. Stretch is also a physiological response to the body awakening. And God will use situations to stretch your faith because He is wanting to awaken the body. How many have ever read Matthew 25? Matthew 25, it's about the, 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 the ten virgins that represented the bridal party. And there was a groom that was coming to receive the bride. The door was open. The midnight cry was given. But you have the five foolish virgins and then the five right but notice we do want to be the five wise that are ready when he comes but if you read that very close closely both the five foolish and the five wise the bible says that they both were sleeping you may be prepared, but you're still asleep. But it's that stretch that is the physiological response uh, to, to your brain that it's time to wake up. It's time to come alive. But here's the thing. Go to the next verse. I want to show you how many know the story of 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm all over the place. It's 2 Kings chapter 4 about the, the, that great woman that recognized Elijah was a prophet. No, that's not it. <laughs> I'll get it. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. If the Bible says you great, you great. And especially in those day and age, for a woman that was considered less, less than, to be called great means she was something. But there was a great woman and she constrained him, the prophet Elisha, to eat bread. And, it was, and so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in hither to eat. And she said unto her husband, of course, she checks with the, 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 her head, and she says, Behold now, I perceive that there is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a, not just a chamber, it gives that detail. A little chamber. I pray thee on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, a table, a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in hither. And it fell on a day that he came in thither. And he turned into the chamber and lay there. Now listen. As powerful as that may be, it bothers me, that scripture. Because it said that there was a great woman. She had a house. Some say that she was a governess over the area. But a great woman made a little chamber. That bothers me. Because she was great, 
but she gave little. So it was no, it was no sweat off her back. It was no stretch for her. Because that's the thing. Listen, she saw, Elisha means the God of salvation. So watch. She sees the God of salvation passing by. <laughs> and she says, wait a minute. I want him to be in my house. So she's got this, I see her got a big old house. Big old house, many rooms. And she says, I'm going to give him a little chamber. And she, although she recognized the God of salvation and she wanted the God of salvation in her house, she only gave him a little chamber in comparison to the greatness of what she possessed. Let me say this, that she gave little when she could have given much, but she wanted to give God enough room to be present, but not enough room to take over. She compartmentalized her faith enough so she can say she's got God in her life, but not enough. She gave him enough room, a stool, a table, a bed, just enough room for him to be present, but not enough room for the full demonstration of his power. And I don't want to be guilty of being a great people like we are, but only giving him little. Because that's what we do. Whether we realize it or not, a lot of times we do. I do it. I'll just preach to myself. Ryan! We do. We compartmentalize our faith sometimes. And we give God areas. You can only work in this area. It's like the statistic. You remember last year when I brought that statistic about the 11 months versus the 70 years? Yeah. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. When if you do the study, if you calculate it, I did the calculation just, just the other day sitting in the little uh, the place they got me. Very nice place, by the way. Thank you, church. But you do the math. If you go to church for 70 years, every time the doors are open... For 70 years, if you go to church, every time the doors are open, that you will come to this conclusion, that you have only spent 11 months in church out of 70 years. If you go to church all your life, 11 months. And a lot of time we put the emphasis of our faith on the 11 months instead of the 70 years. Right? Little chamber. And we compartmentalize our faith. Right? But that's what she did. She said, I'll give you enough room to be present, but not enough room to really demonstrate your power. But it was enough to answer her prayer. And God gave her a child just like she wanted. He said, because you've done this, I'll give you whatever you want, whatever you want. And she said, I want a child. He said, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. But then, guess what? She got that child. Because she gave God enough room to be present. But it may produce a child but that won't keep it alive That's right. Right? right because uh man i just feel one story right after another goodness like the woman we're a great people but oftentimes we compartmentalize our faith and we only give him enough room to be present so we can say that he's in our life but we're not fully allowing him to access every area i call this faith perimeters 
that we only believe him for so much. But it's like that little widow woman who when they took up the offering, you had everybody come up and they put in that offering. And you've seen all of these people give great amounts. But then you see this little old widow woman. And she comes up there and she puts in two little mites. I don't know, mites? Are those bugs? I don't know what those are. But she puts them in the plate. And Jesus said, what did he say? Next verse. And he called unto him and his disciples. He saith unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they that did cast in of their... It wasn't a stretch for them. It wasn't a stretch. They had it to give. But she of her want did cast in all she had, even all her living. And the reason why God recognized her and did not recognize others was because of the stretch that was involved. It's not about how much you give, it's the ratio by which you give. See, ah, my God. It's the ratio. It's the ratio. And I felt like I, I, I might be crazy. I might just think that in this house, there's enough people in here right now that we could put the plate out. I know you've already given, but I know that we could put that plate out because some of you gave out of, ha- out of habit, not out of faith. And God would ask you to give, and this time not out of your abundance, but begin to stretch. And when you begin to stretch, it would stretch your faith perimeters and be able to accommodate the miraculous that we are desiring. I believe right Right now, we can take up an offering and we can pay for this revival. All the anniversary, every meal, it could be covered. And not one single cent could come out, out of the church. Did you feel that? It just kind of went... <laughs> but I'm telling you, that's what he said. That's a lot of money. But I'm believing that you, you could do it. We could do it. If we could say, listen, God, what do you want me to do so that I can create a capacity for you to do the miraculous in my life? But it's not about an amount. It's the ratio that creates the stretch that enables the capacity to come and do the miraculous. I've told my story to several of you about our, our financial giving. Because it started with $100 bills. Give $100. And I'd give $100 and I'd get a $100 handshake. Somebody come up, give me a $100 bill. I'd try to outgive God. And that happened for months. I'd try to outgive God. And then finally, I outgave God. So I thought. I went to the car because it was before I, I, I even did, you know, Pastor Narlock, Sylvester Narlock. I went up to him and I, when he was pastoring up in Clinton, I, Clintonville, I said, hey, listen, I'll put $100 in this offering plate. You watch by the end of this service. Somebody come up, give me $100. He said, I don't know if they'll do that. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I don't know if they'll do that. I said, you watch. And nobody came. <laughs> and I've said, babe, we got him. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I gave the $100. They didn't give it back. God didn't give it back. And he said, oh, no. Somebody came up to me. Gave me $200 bills. One for you, one for me. <laughs> right? 
But then somebody challenged me. They said, what if God says 500? Uh -huh. I'm an evangelist. I don't have 500. Come on. <laughs> the 500 came and we gave it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody came up to me in that service. Get your new pair of shoes and slip $500 in my hand. Wow. <laughs> I don't need $500 shoes, but... <laughs> but then God said, give a thousand. You think I'm preaching about money. <laughs> you thought I was preaching about money. No, he said, give a thousand. I'll make it 10,000. <laughs> I don't have a thousand. I'm an evangelist. But I gave a thousand. Watch what happened. By the end of that month, you know what I was doing when I was giving? I was stretching. I was creating greater capacity to receive. And by the time I gave the thousand, there was already a check in the mail with my name, $10,000. And you keep giving one dollar, you keep giving two dollars, you keep giving ten. But I'm telling you that God is trying to stretch the apostolic church so that we can build the kingdom. So that we can go into the next city, and the next city, and the next city, and the next. Listen, and then he said, give your car away. I said, no, it's paid off. It's Honda Civic, 03, beautiful car, only a couple years old. He says, give it. And so guess what we did? We prayed about it. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up giving it away. Went to the next revival about two weeks later. And somebody stood up in that congregation. Pastor, excuse me. I feel like we need to give Brother Near something. Brother Near, what is it that you need? I said, if God's already told you I have a need, ask him the rest. He'll tell you. He said, we have a car. We'd like to give you. I said, don't need a car. They said, all right. And they made one phone call. And they gave me and my wife a check for the exact amount of what the Kelly Blue Book price was for our car. Oh, you thought I was preaching about money. No, I was preaching about faith because God will use your finance to expand your faith because Faith is the currency of heaven and your finances is the earthly parallel to faith. So he'll use your finances. But if you just keep giving ones and twos and just paying your tithes, hear, hear me, you're not going to see apostolic revival. But if you want to see God do the miraculous, you got to say, guess what? I'm going to sell my four-wheeler. I'm going no, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. At the end of this service, God could even be laying something on your heart. I know you already gave, but you gave out of abundance of what you knew was comfortable. But if you just let that little, I, I know I'm preaching to people, saints, I'm sorry, pay your tithes first, all that, you know, and all the, how it's supposed to be done, but then obey God. Amen. Because here's the thing. God is trying to stretch us. But we've got into this vein of being comfortable and complacent 
because we know what it feels like in our past to sacrifice and how painful it is and what sacrifice is actually like. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You ready? I made a little chamber and I let the God of salvation in. But he wants access to more of my house. I got my baby now. I got what I want. So now I'm pursuing comfort over capacity. Watch. But then, years down the road, her little baby boy out in the field, he's sick. My head. Dad, my head. And that five, that boy goes and lays it. He said, take her to her mom. And lays it on the mom. And the mom on the, on the lap. The baby's my head, mama. I don't feel so good. And that baby ends up dying in her lap. And she knows what she needs to do. She said, take that baby boy up to the room. That place where I gave God permission to work in my life. Take him up to that room. Because that's the only place that I've given God permission to work in my world. So she takes him to the man of God in his room and then says go find Elisha and goes and gets Elisha. Watch and brings Elisha and Elisha gets in the room. God's not going to force his way into the rest of your life when you've given him only this much. But he will use situations to stretch you. Because watch what happens. While that little dead boy lays there on the prophet's bed. The Bible said that he went in. When, uh, verse 32, when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain. And he prayed unto the Lord. And he went up. He lay, whole, he lay upon the child. He put his mouth upon his mouth. His eyes upon his eyes. And his hands upon his hands. And. He said you've only given me this most much room to work. You've only given me this area because it's safe. Because you don't want him seeing in your closet. You don't want him seeing in the other areas of your life that are dirty and unkept. You don't want him seeing though. And it's kind of like how we pray. Sometimes we say, oh, don't pray for patience. He'll make you wait. We pray and we say things like we're afraid to pray things. He's my heavenly father. I was praying the other day and I said something. I I was just praying something. I I, kind of retracted my statement. Oh God. Gentle. Can I take it back? And he said, why are you afraid of me? Like if you prayed for prayer prayer, or patience, he'd destroy you. (laughs) Here's the thing. Why are we so afraid to let him into the rest of our lives? And so he allows situations where we are forced to go to that little chamber and put our 
our dead little prayers in that, in that little chamber hoping that God can do something with that little area of our life but then the prophet gets in there and the God of salvation he, yes he is a perfect gentleman within the confines of your faith perimeters but then he's saying please you've given me enough room to be present but please give me enough room to work so he stretches and I never saw it Heather I never saw it the next verse says, Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro. When he had been confined to that little chamber, that faith perimeter where she had given him permission, only here, God, don't. Don't mess with any other area. My life's good over here. My relationships, who I'm dating, and the people at work. I don't get into all of this, this little chamber, what I do on Sunday. Just, just here, God, this is the only area. But situations are pushing at the curtain, saying, come on, stretch. Make a little bit more room for me to work. Oh, it's just a little more room that I need. And the Bible said that that boy, he began to grow warm after he had been cold he began to go warm and came back to life and then that prophet began to get a gain access to the rest of her house walking to and fro can I tell you the reason why it's one thing after another the reason why it's one situation after the other it's because God is trying to stretch himself into the other areas of your life that have been off limits to him he's trying to get into your marriage he's trying to get into your kids he's trying to get into your bitterness he's trying to get into your offense he's trying Trying to get in. Come on, let's just stop right now. I feel the Holy Ghost beginning to work on somebody. Let me in. Let me deal with your childhood wounds. Let me deal with your father, your daddy issues. Let me deal with all of now now hold on I'll let you have this in a second I know we're going a little bit long but hear me As well as I preach it, it's a lot easier to preach it than it is to live it. Because you know what I do now? I'm a pastor. And I got to do things I'm not comfortable with doing. One of the things that I love most about pastoring is hospital visits. That was sarcasm. I love hospital visits. Sarcasm. But here's the thing, Bethany. Yes, sir. But here's the thing. Listen. I don't like hospitals. 
Because all hospitals, I know about hospitals, there's death, there's pain, there's, because after, and every time I preach, it's like I bring it up, my dad died at 13, and I watched him die. I didn't want to watch anybody else die. So I let God work in every area of my life except hospitals. We've seen miracles on the job. We've seen miracles in the streets. Seen miracles everywhere else, but the hospital, off limits to me. Because that was a place that I just didn't want to go with God. Okay? And now I'm a pastor, and it's my obligation to go. But there was something that broke loose when I was working back in the day. and my, I didn't go to hospitals. I, was, I, was, I would have anxiety about it, and I just didn't want to go. I said, no, God. Every excuse. But then my brother-in-law, he called me. Or we worked together, actually, so he came up to me. And he said, I need a ride home. Bethany, you want to get ready to play, too, because this might happen pretty fast. But he came up to me, and he said, Ryan, I need you to give me a ride home. My car's in the shop. I got him in the car. We're going down the road. And then he dropped the bomb. He said, oh, yeah, you got to take me to the hospital. My mom's in the hospital. She's been there for seven days. Her blood sugar is out of whack, and she's losing her. She's going blind. She's uh, borderline in a diabetic coma. We cannot get her blood down. Our sugar's right. I said, oh, man. Man. Oh, gosh. So he tricked me into going to the hospital. And then we got there. And I'm wrestling with it the whole time. I don't know what to say. Because sometimes as a preacher, you feel like your words are so shallow compared to the depth of what somebody's going through. So I was like, what do I say? And it's like I walked into that room where his mom was laying there. Losing her sight. They don't know what to do. But as I walked in the room, it's like God gave me a vision of that woman with the issue of blood that reached out. And she stretched and got a hold of that garment. And all of a sudden, her blood, the issue of her blood was made right. And I said, I don't know if you know this story, but I had a vision. And I told her what I saw. And she said, I had a dream last night. And that's exactly what God showed me. I said, well, the next person that calls, you better pick that phone up and tell them that God just healed you because we're going to pray. I was afraid to go there. I didn't want to go there. But God was trying to create capacity in my life so He could do things that He had never been able to do. So I stretched out to her and I began to pray. And I'm telling you, at that moment, things regulated. And they came back in and said, I don't know what happened, but you are completely okay. You can... But then that gal, her name's Sue, she had so much faith in God. From that moment, I was teaching Bible study at my mom's house, and then all of a sudden she shows up out of nowhere. She said, said, Ryan, like you prayed for me. Uncle Pete's in the hospital. Would you go with me? I said, okay. We went up there, old Uncle Pete was about to lose his foot because diabetes too. 
He's about to lose his feet. We walk in that room. I said, hey, Uncle Pete. And I start going towards him. And as I start going towards him, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost is in that room. Uncle Pete starts to cry. And Uncle Pete throws his hands up in the air. And as I'm reaching for him, I, even, I just begin to scream. And as I did, Uncle Pete got the Holy Ghost speaking another time. Guess what? After I was done praying with Uncle Pete, I'm like, wow. And he didn't lose all his, he didn't lose his foot. I look back and Sue is weeping and looks like she's seen a ghost. I said, Sue, what's going on? She said, Ryan, I saw when you reached for Uncle Pete. She was reaching your hand over to him. She said, I don't know. I've never seen this. You're going to think I'm crazy. But I've seen an angel of God come into that room and stood next to Uncle Pete as you prayed. I've never seen anything in my life. She said, but I feel so much Holy Ghost right now. I said, do you want to feel it more? She said, yes. I said, then just lift your hands and God fill her with the Stand. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody shout yeah! <laughs> you ready to respond? Let me show you something. One more thing. Come here, Pastor. I'm going to use you. One more final stretch that creates capacity. This might be familiar to you. How many remember this? is coming to the end of what you're comfortable it's not out of your abundance right but Jesus he's God it was nothing for him to give what he gave no 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 what's the scripture say when Jesus did what he did for you you may not think it's a real big deal it's just, I mean it's not a stretch he's God but if you read Philippians bring that verse up you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think it of equality with God as something to cling to. Watch what he says next. You got another verse? There it is. Watch this. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Do you realize what he did? He gave up his divine privilege. So that when he did what he did on the cross, it would be a stretch. He didn't die as God on the cross. He died as a criminal. 
he died emptying himself of divine privilege. And when he emptied himself, listen, of divine privilege, watch. That means he did not give you what he gave you out of his abundance. He died giving you out of what? Not abundance. So are you going to let him stretch alone? Are you going to let him... But God is asking the apostolic church. He stretched. He reached trying to create a capacity for the world to come. For your children to be saved. For your family to know him. He did what he did. Not out of abundance, but out of his want. But now he's saying to the apostolic church, would you prefer comfort? I'm just are you going to prefer comfort? Or do you want capacity for your family? For your city? I'm telling you, Daniel Orton, God is stretching you. He's saying, I want you to stretch. Why? To create capacity. Not just for one city, but for many to know Him. Right now, I want you to reach your hands out. I want you to begin to stretch. What is God asking you to do? What area of your life does God want to get into? What does He want you to give? What does He want you to lay down? What does He want you to take up? What area is off limits to God? It's time for you to take the limits of God and say, Come on, let our preachers, let our pastors come right now and be the first partakers of that fruit right now. Come on, and I want you to stretch. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. 
now I just want you to lift your hands and surrender to what God is doing in your situation because I know there are a lot of situations in this house right now that God is using to stretch you. Another word is you're being stretched or you feel spread thin. You feel like you're being pulled in so many different directions. That's because God wants those areas in your world. So somebody with your hand say, God, I surrender. God, I surrender. I don't understand, but I surrender. Some of you are stretched financially. Some of you are stressed physically, mentally, emotionally. But say, God, whatever area in my life you want, it's yours. It's yours. I'm holding nothing back. Take us. 
Nothing. 